Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Morano. Thanks for tuning in. One of the things that has perplexed me and vexed me over the last several decades is why we can't seem to figure out what to do with Governor's Island. And now, evidently, the any day now, a state Supreme Court judge will help decide the fate of Governor's Island, a sleepy patch of 172 undeveloped acres sitting just south of Manhattan in New York Harbor. I have said for years that I wish the United Nations could be relocated to Governor's Island. And that's not me being flippant or that's not me being anti-UN. To me, it's a perfect location. There's a lot of space for them. It wouldn't interfere with traffic. They're still in New York, but they're not interfering with those of us that live and work here. But um, let's look at what's actually in the cards because nobody other than me is talking about the UN there. On the one side, you have the Adams administration and the Trust for Governor's Island, the entity that controls the island, they want to turn the island into a mixed-use, 24-7 neighborhood. Their proposals include a 20-story hotel and shopping district, parking for up to 200 vehicles because private cars are currently prohibited on the island, and a center for climate solutions built by a university. They say this transformation is necessary to subsidize continued public access. The other side of the equation, you have environmentalists, artists, and park enthusiasts that believe the land should be preserved as a bucolic mid-harbor escape from the bustle of the city and are suing to stop the trust and its allies. Their lawsuit argues that the grand new vision for Governor's Island violates the agreement that the state made with the federal government when it took over the island in 2003. I don't know who's right on the merits. I don't know who's right legally, but uh, I am eager to see how this plays out because I think this could have all sorts of ramifications for the future of development in New York. I'm all for preservation. I'm all for keeping the undeveloped parts of New York that are there. But I have to think that with a spot of real estate as beautiful and as prime as this location is, that there's got to be at least some development. Maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm not seeing the forest through the trees or the island through the lawsuits. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. Good morrow, 
everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Morano. I was sorry to see yesterday that uh, the head of New York City's powerful principals union, CSA, the Council of Supervisors and Administrators, is expected to announce his retirement. And apparently this all comes about amidst turmoil over his controversial decision to oust a top union executive. At least that's what the New York Post is reporting. I don't know much about the details of the ouster of this union executive. It was not someone that I was familiar with. But I do know a great deal about the president of the Council of School Supervisors and Administrators, Mark Canizaro. He has told his executive board this week that he'll step back by the end of December after just five years at the helm. And And I am someone who's really admired Mark Cannizzaro. I've gotten to interview him many times over the years. I've been impressed with his intellect. I've been impressed with his advocacy for his members. I've been impressed with his accessibility to the media, not shying away from tough interviews or tackling tough subjects, including at the height of COVID. And on a personal note, uh, I know. Uh, Mark Canizzaro a little bit. Not well, but I run into him once in a while. He remembers me. And many years ago, he was my assistant principal. And he worked in Staten Island schools for a long time. Worked at uh, IS-34, worked at IS-75. Here is a guy that began as a physical education teacher, a gym teacher, and through a lot of hard work and sheer strength of will, rose through the ranks. Went from being a gym teacher to being an assistant principal and then a principal. Got involved with the union about 16 years ago and ultimately rose to the presidency. As Angela Marasia, his former colleague who taught Spanish and English and then became dean of uh, some middle schools under Canizero's leadership said, he's an asset to everyone, any educational system, and it's going to be a loss to New York City. I learned a lot from him. He was at work at six in the morning and the last to leave at night, a very dedicated professional. From my perspective, that's what I always observed about Mark Canizero. This is a guy that in addition to being dedicated to his members and obviously getting his members the best deal that he could, was so passionate about education and education in this city specifically. He's a young man, only 58 years old, and I am hoping uh, that he'll do something else where his expertise and his passions in the educational arena will benefit children and the public. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. I have been an advocate for years of municipalities considering moving to nonpartisan elections. As I've stated before, both in my local commentaries and in several interviews on this subject, I think the old Fiorello LaGuardia saying remains true. There's no Democrat or Republican way to clean a street. Small town mayors aren't making decisions about abortion or the death penalty. They're making decisions about parking. And I don't think that this is something that should be viewed through the lens of partisanship. And I've seen too many people, people like me, for instance, who are not Republicans or Democrats, unable to get elected because even though these local offices have nothing to do with the big ticket issues that cause people to register as a Republican or a Democrat to begin with, they have no chance of ever being elected because they're not Democrat or Republican. Well, 
Red Bank, New Jersey is the latest city to consider a move to nonpartisan elections. There is a question on the ballot this year that will ask voters in Red Bank to eliminate partisan labels. Now, this would have a very curious effect in Red Bank, where the the Democrats have dominated local elections in recent years. They hold all the council seats as well as the mayoralty. But the local Democratic Party has been hopelessly split into warring factions in recent years. I'm eager to see where this goes, and I don't pretend to be an expert on Red Bank, New Jersey government. And there are some aspects of this question that I don't like. For instance, I think they would delegate a lot of the responsibilities of running the town on a regular basis to a city manager instead of having the mayor uh, be accountable for all the decisions. I kind of like elected officials to be accountable, but that's a, a separate discussion. What's interesting to me is that Red Bank has this question on the ballot this year. So does Atlantic City, New Jersey. We are seeing more and more municipalities consider nonpartisan elections. And I think that is a great discussion for cities to be having. And I wish we could get a question for nonpartisan elections on the ballot next year so that we could have this same debate in our own city. Beam me up. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. One more hour to go. Don't even think of touching that radio dial. We're going to talk about a few noteworthy people, some famous, some infamous, some somewhere in between who have passed away recently. Obviously, the person that I have most at the top of my consciousness who passed away recently is my friend and our colleague here at WABC, Bernard McGurk. And I just wanted to mention, by now you've probably heard about it several times, but I did want to mention we're going to be doing a mass at St. Patrick's tomorrow, Wednesday, remembering our colleague Bernard McGurk. It's a special mass at St. Patrick's Cathedral. Everybody's invited. It starts at 10 a.m. So if you want to go, you're welcome to. For more information, you can go to wabcradio.com. They all have all the pertinent details on there. I think it's going to be from 10 a.m. to noon. And if you plan on attending, the only thing that we would ask is in order to keep a, an eye on how many people are attending and make accommodations, uh, please email us at RSVP at WABCRadio.com. That's RSVP at WABCRadio.com. I believe just about all my colleagues here at WABC are going to be there. I'm planning on being there as well, and I'll look forward to hopefully seeing some of you there as well. I can't think of a more appropriate send-off to a person like Bernard McGurk a former altar boy and somebody that was very proud of his Catholic faith. So uh, hopefully I'll see you there. It should be a wonderful event. Additionally, tonight is going to be the first and only debate among the New York gubernatorial candidates. I'm going to be paying pretty close attention to this. It's going to be tonight at 7 p.m. It's airing on the Spectrum stations all over the state, New York One in New York City. If you're not near a television, unfortunately, it's not on radio. I wish it were. But uh, I wish also that Governor Hochul had agreed to more than one debate, as Congressman Zeldin had pushed for. But uh, I'm going to be driving in at that time, so I'm going to be 
listening on the Spectrum app. I think there's no doubt about the fact that Lee Zeldin has got a lot of momentum here, and he has done a lot of things right. He has been laser-focused on the crime issue and on some pocketbook issues, and I think Governor Hochul has been, at least until this week, totally out to lunch on what New Yorkers want to hear about. She has run her whole campaign all about abortion and not mentioned the fact that no one can afford to live here and that a lot of New Yorkers don't feel safe. I have been uh, someone that's said that I didn't think Lee Zeldin was going to win this race, even though I'm going to be voting for Lee Zeldin. I still would not be betting on Lee Zeldin. That being said, the kind of momentum shift that we've seen in this race is extraordinary. I think it looks like Lee Zeldin is absolutely within striking distance. I guess we'll see what happens. Beam me up. To be continued.